Thank you, Eddie. As we come together this morning, again, we want to look at God's word. And, um, and the thing that we want to uh, deal with this morning, we want to talk about the whole idea of um, the analogy of expectations. The analogy of expectations. Again, I'll be giving you some words to think on as we go through the process. Because as we go through these words, because see, all of us go through life with various expectations. In marital counseling, a lot of times I had to straighten out uh, couples because they went into marriage with, with wrong expectations. And when you have wrong expectations, then, then you have a clash and you have frustration. You have all of these things connected to it. And so the best way to explain it is to, to look at scripture and there's some words we want to go over. And I just trust that the Lord will uh, bless our hearts in the process. I, I like what happened, but it, I just trust that you will see the same. God, open our eyes to see exactly what you want us to see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Genesis 18, 18. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. This say could be or should be. It says what? Shall be blessed. It goes on even further. Look like uh, every now and then we have these clicking uh, challenges. Uh, Liz, there you go. Genesis 18, 19. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that what he has promised the Lord may bring to Abraham. We go on further in our introduction. In our introduction, our lives are continually bombarded with expectations. The reality of those expectations must be governed by biblical patterns and principles that will ensure favorable results. If your expectations are not in line with God, you will fail. You mean God will take over my whole life? Well, he created you. <laughs> uh, isn't that amazing? God created you, and he gave you to talk, and then you're going to talk back and not recognize him. Excuse me? Clarifying our thoughts for this morning, there is a vast difference between a pattern and a principle. And there's an order, and, uh, and there is an order of how it functions. So let's look at this whole idea of uh, pattern and principles just for a moment. Patterns. Let's read together. Pattern changed our thoughts as to what, how, and things. Be. Okay, so we, when we talk about patterns, see, then the whole idea now is, is challenging the what and how. Uh, so then that's why we teach children, you know. This is how you brush your teeth. You're always showing them what to do. And a lot of times, I don't want like my parents telling me what to do. Well, what you're doing, you're giving them a pattern, you see. 
For here is the way that you are to walk. And here's the way you are to walk. But understand, wherever you establish a pattern, there must be a principle. Now, this whole idea of principle, let's read it. Answer the question of why it must be done in a specific way. Your whole life, my whole life is based on a pattern and a principle. If you cannot explain why you're doing what you're doing, then I need to go back to why do you have this pattern? Every pattern is confirmed and stands on a principle. You, uh, you're going down the street and, um, and you come to a red light. You just keep on driving, do you? Now, you know, well, those of you who get tickets, you know well you don't keep on driving. They stop you. Why? Because, you see, they put red lights there, and they said, and red lights said, now, we see, um, if you see green, you're okay. If you see yellow, prepare to stop. And then when you see red, stop. And guess what? They have it all over the place, don't they? Now they put up cameras. You know why? Because, you see, they set up a pattern that everybody has to follow. Sometimes policemen and some of the others don't, but, they, but there's a pattern that all of us have to follow. But there is a principle behind it that if you stay with the pattern and principle, everybody can get where they're going. Everybody with me? You see, if you, if you understand this before we get into the text, then we're able, to, we're able to maneuver through life to understand that I'm setting up patterns that people are following, are following. My question is this. What's the principle? Why are they following you? And where are they going? Paul said, follow me. Why? As I follow Christ. So if you follow me and you know that I'm following Christ, you're going to be okay. You follow Forrest Gump, you're going to be dumb. He gets in the middle of the road. He stops and he says, I'm done. I'm going home. And all these folks who are running, doing all that running, saying, what do we do? Because you see, he didn't, if you asked him, what are you doing? He said, well, <laughs> I, I, I do what I do. That's me. Is that how you go through life? If that's how God made things, listen, as we, uh, th again, we're preparing for the, for the text. I'm not in the rush with the text because I want you to understand it. Abraham became the pattern that reinforces a universal principle of what it will take to please God. They have songs, Father Abraham had many sons. Oh, we sing the song. But the Lord said, no, don't sing the song. Understand why I chose Abraham. Understand when I choose you for something, I'm going to take you through something so that I'll be glorified and others will be, uh, be challenged and that they are going the same direction. Hebrews 11.6, let's read together. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We find Abraham was a man of God because God told him to do some things, and guess what? He did it. He didn't stand around and say, well, why? 
What do you want me to do this for? He obeyed God. He obeyed God for a reason. We'll come to the other word a little bit later. He obeyed, obeyed God for a reason. Is your life expectations in line with God's plumb line for you? God has a plumb line. Question, and you need to ask the question, am my life in line with God's plumb line? Yes or no? Am I doing things that's pleasing to God? When I wake up in the morning, is he glad for me as I open my eyes knowing that my heart is set to put him first? Where is God? Oh, the theologians are saying that. Where is God? Some say there is no God. God says, I'm standing here. I just need you to focus in on me. Are you diligently keeping it real with God? So you can fool the other folks. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless. La, 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 la. You know, they throw, out, they throw out all this stuff, you know. But deep down within, in those lonely moments, in those frustrating moments, deep down within when you kind of feel that time stressed out. Well, thinking it through, let us follow the narrative about Abraham. I believe it will greatly assist us in our thinking. The first one is, because of Abraham's faith, he was challenged with numerous situations in his life that tested his choices. Let us consider at least three things we should glean from his expectations and fulfillment. Number one, our expectation must have a reliable source to initiate it or it will be useless. Two, without obedience, our expectations will not become a reality. Three, without being stretched beyond temporal results, our expectations will not come to fruition. Now, I'll be going over these because, see, every time we think about Abraham, we think about Abraham, Isaac, and, uh, and somehow our brain shut down right there. That was part of the picture. We'll go a little further on that. But let's, let's, let's start off then with our expectation must have a reliable source to initiate it or it will be useless. So what is the reliable source? God. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become great and mighty and a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. What type of person will you use for that type of position? Who would you choose that from this point on until the Lord come, all of the nation will be fashioned behind that guy. Not Adam. Adam sold the Lord out right in the middle of the garden. Heard the conversation and everything else. Saw his wife biting, then he bit. Then blame his wife. Threw her under the bus. The wife you gave me, you know, the woman you gave me, that, that's the reason she did it. No, can't use him. That's why we're in this mess right now. So the Lord chose Abraham. And here's the reason. This is, notice what God says. For I have chosen him that he might command his children, not ask his children, command his children. You're not their friends. You're their parents. 
and the relationship may get close, but you're always the parents. Quit trying to be a friend and not a parent. But when, the, when a crisis time come and you need to talk to them as a parent, they don't respond to you back like a friend. Get off my back. Excuse me? Not in this house. He will command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing, by, here's the example. Here's the pattern. See, see, see the pattern coming? Keep it by the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that what he has promised the Lord may bring to Abraham. The promise comes after he begins to set the patterns. Who's on? There were two major phases that Abraham had to experience. One. Phase one was God's promise to him concerning the son that took 25 years before it became a reality. With all of the stress and drama before Isaac's birth. The Lord promised him a son. You think he had the next, next year? Nope. 25 years God made him wait for that boy. And under and 25 years, I mean, you're 25 years older. He promised Abraham when he was 75, you're going to have a son. And he had to wait 25 years for his son. Once he had a son, once he had Isaac, praise the Lord, shut the books, God is good, close the Bible. Nope. That's only phase one. If you only stop at phase one, you will shut down all that God has for you in the future. If, get this now, if God only gave him Isaac, then it will be more on the physical and not the eternal. Others wouldn't be blessed. Oh, Isaac was a blessing. He had to wait 25 years, but he got the boy. Of course, Sarah kind of entered in with the mama drama situation and uh, Ishmael. And he had to go through all of that. But finally, he has a son. Thank God. And God says, but that's not why I chose you. I didn't choose you because you wanted a son. I choose you because nations are going to follow your example. And it doesn't stop at your son. Let's make it practical. Have you ever prayed, Lord, give me this job? Or, Lord, give me this husband or wife. Or give me this. And, and you get it. Are you happy from, from that point on? What's the word? Come on, what is it? Those who are honest before the Lord, what is it? Because, yes, you got the physical. But you cannot connect the physical with the spiritual. You think they're getting married or having a better job and all, but all of those are physical things that pass away. God does not want to give you less, He wants you to give you the best. Oh, that's poetic. I should write that down. In a way, it's important that you are able to nail it. You have a great job and then the job shuts down. And you feel that your life is over. No. Keep breathing. Keep breathing. 
Bottom line, Abraham had to believe, trust, and wait on God. Here's phase two. God's command testing Abraham, establishing a pattern and source where all the nations of the world shall be blessed. You see, he tested Abraham, the first part, to wait. He trusted Abraham, the first part, to do what? Wait. Did he, was he successful? Did God bless him? Now, he takes him to another level. The level that he's getting ready to take God, to uh, take Abraham, is this. Not only do I want you to wait, I want you to believe. I want you to trust me. Wow. Trust me. I am. Um, I thought, you know, during this uh, lesson one, expectations are initiated and embedded in our relationship with God. To have this type of relationship and position that God has chosen Abraham to manage, there are five things that had to be embedded in the character of God's choice. These five things are necessary to be a good parent, a good wife, a good person. Are you ready for it? Because God, see, and I think especially for the men, wake up, this is important. Here's the first one. Ready? Leadership must be possessed. The next one, dependence on God. The first thing is dependent. What is it? So you must possess this, dependence on God. Do you depend on God? Can your wife, your children, or your, your husband, are you a person who depends on God? Did Abraham pass that test? Here's the next one. Decisiveness. What is it? Did Abraham, was Abraham decisive? Abraham, I want you to take your family and everybody else, and I want you to take them uh, to a land that I'm going to show you. Um, matter of fact, I want you to leave your, 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 your father and your mother and all these other, leave those folks behind. Take your wife, but the rest of them leave behind. Abraham, follow God. And God he didn't say, well, where am I going? Just stop walking. And he made a decision. Other folks saying, where are we going? The Lord told me. He didn't say anything to me. He, no, he was talking to me. None of your business. And here's what the Lord says. And since I'm ahead of the household, here's the direction. Develop mentally. In other words, mature. God needs not babies, but mature individuals to do leadership so they don't fall out of fellowship with God. You ask the question, am I mature? You ask the question, don't look at the other person. Am I dependable? Am I decisive? Do I, am I mature? I'll ask you, are you mature? How do you prove that? What do you measure it by? What's the plumb line? How do you know you're mature? If you don't know you're mature, what makes you think you're coming up with mature decisions? Dependable. 
You know, every time, and I, I say this over and over again, when I see this word dependable, there's a number of names in this congregation that always come to my mind. Always. And one is Eddie. Eddie has it down where if I just made a move, he knows what it is, and he'll say, and I know it's taken care of. And all these years, when I see Eddie and there's a funeral, whatever the case may be, guess what? Guess who's lining all the cars up, and guess who's at the, at the place of interment ahead of everybody else? Let me, let's take it closer. Is it dependability there in your marriage? Dependability there on your job? Are you coming late all the time? Have they docked you? Have they labeled you? Have they laughed at your inability to be dependable? Can a nation follow after you like they're following after Abraham? And let me tell you something. Every one of us is capable of being on the same plane. Devoted. Dependence on God. Decisive. Developmentally. Mature. Dependable. Devoted. I'll say, this, is, this is depth of character at its best. Depth of character. At his best. Without obedience, our expectations will not become a reality. Here's where God breaks the glass in front of Abraham, and Abraham has to make a decision. The cutting command. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham? And he said, what, what, what did he say? Can God find you when he calls you? <laughs> no, we sing the song. When he calls me, I will, and folks be crying and going on, answer. I'll be somewhere listening for my name. Then the Lord call you and say, who's this? I'm the, how do I know it's you? Show me a sign. I'm going to talk to my friends about what you said to me. And see if they're on the same level that I'm thinking as to what you said to me. The Lord said, I'm, st I'm still calling you. He called Abraham, and Abraham's word every time is, here am I. Which means what? I'm listening, and whatever you tell me, I'll do. Don't say, here am I, and you're still doing the same thing. Here am I. Here am I. And he said, take your son, your only son, whom you love. Oh, he's digging it in, isn't he? Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains in which I shall tell you. Wait a minute, Lord. 25 years waiting for my son. Isaac now is around, about, around 21 years old. So he's talking about almost, what, 40, something like that. He said, Lord, you mean to tell me 
that after 46 years, you're telling me to take my son. Oh, you gave me time with him. Now you want to take him? Whatever God takes from you, look out, he's emptying it up so he can put something far better in your life. When God gives us directions, don't always expect a good feeling. Sometimes he'll take what's important to us, that seems important to us, that which we, we really revel in and thank God for, and sometimes he takes the person or takes the thing. And when he does that, he'll ask the question, are you still there? Are you still there? The command response, the committed response, Abraham rose up early. How far? When did he wake up? Early in the morning. I'm a late riser. No, he, was a, he woke up early in the morning, settled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. We don't have time to just kind of break down the verses and everything else, but check out the verbs here. Notice what he's doing. Notice the action verbs. No hesitation. Then Abraham reached out his hand, jumping up to uh, chapter 22, 10, uh, going through all the uh, telling the guys to stay behind and, and all the other things, up to the point where Abraham, he has a son. He says, Abraham reached out his hands, took the knife to slaughter his son. When you sacrifice something to the Lord, like a lamb, what you do is a, is a small knife. And how the, the, the creature dies, to die quickly, all you have to do is cut the jugular vein. He took the knife, and he was getting ready to kill his son. Far enough away from his wife to hear the complaints. Far enough away from the servants who would not understand. Right now, when he had that knife, in the strenuous moment, it was between him and God. The knife was obedience. God told me to do it. And if you notice, there's no complaints that, that you hear from Abraham. None. Abraham, have, Abraham could really bargain with God. Remember Solomon Gomorrah? Lord, I mean, if there's 50, Lord, give me 50. If there's 50 people left, I don't want to, Lord, give me 50. No, I'll give you 40. 40, I take 40, Lord. Come on, Lord, give me 40. Give me 40 people, Lord. You want to draw people about 40, I'm dropping tell you, I'm dropping it down to 20. 20 people, oh, Lord, about 20. Oh, no, come on, Lord. I tell you what. I'm going to drop it down to 10. 10, 10. I'm not going any further. If I find 10 people, 10, I'll save Solomon Gomorrah. Oh, he knew how to bargain. But he didn't bargain because he's going to another stage that's going to affect us. We're going to follow his pattern. You get the idea? So it's more, so whenever you're going to follow God, here's what Abraham is saying. You follow him down to the letter and leave it to God. 
Some of you put your families and your finances and your feelings and, and all of these other things before you initiate what God tells you to do. Question, why? And if we don't do it, then we're no better than Adam when it comes down to the fruit. Notice what Abraham did not do. Are you ready? Number one, what is it? No dispute. Number two, no complaint. Number three, number four, number five. I mean, that's, that's Abraham. His silence spoke of where he was. I have a question. Why? See, if we answer this question, this is going to help us a great deal, okay? Great deal. You cannot effectively lead if you are not willing to obediently do all that God has commanded you to do. That's the lesson. You cannot effectively lead unless you're willing to do all, not some, all that God has commanded us to do. And let me ask you a question. Are you obedient? Do you do all that God tells you to do? If not, why not? That's, that's all I'm asking. If you have decided to do this, then there's a reason why you had this pattern. So that's what you do. Now tell me, why are you doing it? Why is it that you won't follow God? What has he done in the process? Hang in there, almost finished. Number three, without being stretched beyond the temporal results, our expectations will not come to fruition. And it says this, the clear confrontation. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And what did he say? <laughs> Every time the Lord calls, here am I. When he says, here am I, I'm listening. I'm ready to respond. And he said, do not slay, lay your hands on the boy or do anything to him for now what I know that you fear God seeing that you have not withheld your son your only son from me he said I got you to the point where you could have killed your son but you're willing to do that why is it that he did that and that's where we need to really nail it down Expectation must accompany, uh, accompany and embrace the fact that believing, trusting, and obeying God must be the top priority in the relationship. And you know what it says in, in, uh, in Hebrews? Abraham believed God. And all through scripture, all through scripture, the word believe, believe, believe. And people will be saved and lost. Because they're trying to do a number of things, but they don't believe. And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. 
it might be up here, but why is it might be up here? But just in case, I want to make sure that I, I want to make sure that I said to you. Repeat after me. Belief never look back. When I believe God, see when you look back, you get discouraged, you get you get doubtful. Belief never looks back. Guess what? It's embedded in, in the, when we talk about love. Love, believe what? All things. So the belief never looks back. I just want to make, just in case I didn't put it up here, I want to make sure that you have it in your soul. Belief never, never looks back. Abraham didn't look back over, wow, I waited all that time, and now he want me to kill myself. No, he just had the knife. And says, and Abraham believed God. Remember the character traits? Decisive. See? Abraham believed God. And he was getting ready to do it. Until he got the other orders that erased it. Don't do it. Wow. Well, one last thing. Expectations are a blessing when it is governed by a godly commitment, attitude, and belief that God is a promise keeper. And that he has purposed and planned to design specifically for you and me. That and that he has purposed and planned, designed specifically for you and me. God has a purpose for your life. He's a purpose-driven God. He has a purpose for your life, and it's more than you being happy right now. I told you, please forgive me until this thing to get out of my system. The thing that hurt me was when my brother died, and know that he could have decided to, to choose Jesus Christ. In my seeing him and knowing I'll never see him again. You know why? Here it is. He didn't believe why didn't he believe because he held on to Buddha rather than Jesus on my iPad and what have you I have pictures of him to remember a person I'll never see again Isaac kill Isaac well if I had to do it but why? Because it's God who created him in the first place. And if God can create him, God can raise him up. God made a promise to me. God is a promise keeper. Settled. Do we go around saying, God said it, I believe it, that's settled. It doesn't have nothing to do with it, but listen. God said it, that's a fact. God. Don't put anything else behind it. Now the question is, do you believe that? So as we close this morning, the analogy of thoughts. How are you thinking? What are you thinking? Because your thoughts will govern your day, and then it will focus on your future. And what you decide today, your future is already in motion. 
We look back in history just to get data, but right now, I'm thinking about right now, so that what I decide right now, it will glorify God. It goes beyond just my life. It goes into eternity. I'm making eternal decisions. We've been very patient. So I'll close while while you're still patient with me. As we close, maybe God has taken you into the room, Rima. And he calls your name. How do you respond? In my household, when my mother called called, uh, our name, one word we would never use. What? Oh, no, you didn't say what to me. You know, oh, oh, no, 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 no. I, I I had to be very diplomatic. So I'll use the one that says, huh? Huh is not confrontive. Huh is, will you repeat that again? See, I, I can stand on huh instead of what. And God's speaking to you right now. And he expect you, since he's gone through all for you, laid it all on the line, laid out your future throughout eternity, and the best thing you can say is, here am I. Are you there yet? What's keeping you from being where God needs you to be? If God's been speaking to your heart, I would like to pray for you. We just simply stand and say, that's me. It's me. It's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in need of prayer. Not my mother, not my father. But it's me, oh Lord. The decisions that you make, understand, the decisions you make today will not only affect you, but others who are watching your pattern. And if there be one on the sound of my voice that the Lord is calling you, the best time you can say right now is, Lord, hear my, hear my. I recognize I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. That Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary for my sins. Rose again. And I'm assured that I have life through him. You need to do that today. Not tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. Lord, thank you for the saints of God. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for your word. The analogy of expectations. May all of our expectations be tied on who you are and your promises. And Lord, may we stand on those promises and believe you, Lord, regardless of the circumstances. For in Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said, amen.